I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author, historian, and bookseller Francesca Bowman. Dating in her new book is Matrimony, Inc., from personal ads to swiping right, a story of America looking for love. Dating in the 21st century looks far different than it did for our parents or grandparents due to social, cultural, and technological changes. However, one thing has remained the same. We're still looking for love. Francesca Bowman examines individual ads placed in various major U.S. cities throughout history and highlights the rise of satire ads as well as the first ads placed by women. She explores changes over different eras that impacted the creation of modern-day society, from the first tentative ad placed in the Boston Evening Post in 1759 to current profiles on modern dating apps. She's author of six books, including A History of the Pineapple and A History of British Personal Ads, runs the popular book forum Fran's Bookshop. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you here today. Hi, thanks so much for having me, and what a great introduction. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, just to add to that, or I guess this be the, I, this is the first question, I mean, one of the things, uh, Francesca, is that I think many of us believe or think or make the assumption that, you know, dating, putting personal ads, online dating is a new phenomena, which obviously, when we read your book, that's not true. And uh, so... One of the things that you say in the book is that real this these personal ads over the past 250 years, and maybe I mentioned that in the intro, reflect sort of the history of America or tell the story of America in the past 250 years. So how do you do that? How did that? How does that? play out. Right, exactly. My book is really about the making of America, but told through personal ads. And really, my way in was when I found that personal ads date back much further than anyone realized than any historian had ever um, uncovered before. So I was lucky enough to reveal an, uh, America's first personal ad, as you say, which was as, uh, dates back as early as 1759 in the Boston Evening Post. So 250 years ago. And um, it was from a, a person who flatters himself that he shall not be thought disagreeable. That was the only description the advertiser gave of himself. And he was in search of a young lady between the age of 18 and 23 of a middling stature, brown hair of good morals. And so this is just really your first example of of being able to track what men were looking for in a woman later on, what women looking, were looking for in a man and how that changed. And, and by therefore tracking that sort of history of human emotion, human desire, how that changes, whether you're in New York City, whether you're in, on the frontier, whether you're in Kansas or Wisconsin or wherever you, you were in the 18th or 19th or 20th century, it really allows us to track changes um, in American society in a very precise way when you read these hundreds of personal ads that I uncovered, again, um, no one had really realized how many there were. And I was lucky enough to find them in every state in the nation, in the, in the most local newspaper, to the New York Times. Even the New York Times management didn't know that they had personal ads as early as the 1850s. And so taken together, this is really, you know, such a glimpse into um, the way America was founded, how couples got together, how families were built, and therefore, you know, how the nation was settled. Well, let's take it back to that ad, that 1759 ad, and you're talking about this gentleman is asking for a medium stature woman with a woman of medium <laughs> stature with brown hair, but also right. a woman of good morals. So all I could think of was right. Boston, 1759. 
did a woman of good morals respond to that kind of ad? I mean, was well, it acceptable? A, what was the outcome? That's a great question. Yeah. Right. That's such a great question. I mean, the frustrating aspect, of course, is, is rarely does one know the outcome of what happens. I think um, early on, there was no stigma a- attached. And so, you know, you would still have to be a quite bold, brave woman to respond to this. But of course, women in Boston in the 1750s had so few other options. You know, if they weren't married by the ripe old age of 23, well, my goodness, what were they going to do? And then their only options were either like being a spinster in the house of a relative or, you know, possibly being a governess. And that was kind of your only option as a middle class woman. So while you're absolutely right, Catherine, you would have to be pretty brave um, to respond to this ad. Uh, I, I think of, of good morals, there certainly were women of good morals who did respond to these ads. And that was proven later on by various newspapers who made assumptions that it was not women of good morals re- replying to personal ads like this. So they would place an ad to see what happened and they would be surprised and, and say things like, the handwriting of all the women who responded was excellent and highly educated. And, you know, they tried to create a stigma surrounding personal ads, but actually... These personal ads were were really just a a tool for women who, you know, men and women who maybe had moved far away from friends and family, maybe worked long hours, for whatever reason were finding it difficult to meet people, particularly, I mean, you know, what's interesting is why why these personal ads emerge in, in, say, Boston in the 1750s, is that the city of Boston, along with all of the East Coast at the time, was experiencing enormous growth in the 18th century. And therefore, for the first time, there's a society where you can't just rely on your mother or your neighbor to match you up. You know, the, the generations old social networks were no help. And so as soon as you get the first newspapers in the 1750s and, and a little bit earlier, you get the first opportunities to reach out to a wider social circle in search of a spouse. And I argue in my book that that's, you know, that's really a, a, an indication of a modernizing society, of an urbanizing society, that as soon as the population reaches a certain level, you will get the first person ad. Certainly that's what happened in New York and Philadelphia too. All right, well, let's talk about that's Boston now, New York, Philadelphia, and I assume that probably the Midwest and the West Coast, and you've got, you know, these personal ads were all over the country, as you say, were right. they different and they, they reflected different mores, different uh, social habits, right. different Absolutely. ways of connecting? Yeah, let's talk about that. Right. So, for example, New York, New York City's first ever, ever personal ad, um, which I was thrilled to stumble across, um, which was from a young gentleman of fame and fortune, not above two and twenty, tall, stout, and esteemed agreeable in his person. <laughs> um, this is in 1788. He was very clear about what he was looking for in a wife, right? These are his only criteria, Catherine. He says he wants someone who is under 40, not deformed, and in possession of at least 1,000 pounds. <laughs> so it's almost poetic in its straightforwardness. Um, he's looking for, you know, someone who's young, fertile, i.e. healthy, and rich in resources. So young, fertile, and rich is, is, what, is what he's basically looking for. Although, So that's very practical. Very, you know, there's none of this. Practical. It's interesting because and, we get hooked into sometimes the romantic, you know, stuff that we want. But this guy is, or this gentleman, very practical. Right. Yeah. Very practical. And as these ads move forward to, say, Philadelphia in the 1840s, um, 
uh, they, they do again reflect society at the time words like uh, they'll say they want a young lady of refinement or engaging manners or with a good education or strict religious habits um, and then but then again moving into say you know onto the frontier in uh, they'll say one a woman who's great with looking after pigs or has good teeth or you know it can again become more practical some of my favorite ads are the strangest ones though so there was an ad in the New York Times in 1903 that was from a young man, moderate circumstances, with a glass eye, and he says he would like to form the acquaintance of a young lady who also has a glass eye. So in terms of how it changed of what people were looking for, whether in New York or California or Kansas or Wyoming or wherever these ads are, they, they often are very specific you know, to the area, depending on what what was going on there. Oh, there was a wonderful one in North Dakota um, from a woman who's uh, looking for, um, she says, I'm a lone woman with a big ranch and, um, and I have too much work for any woman to do. So, you know, depending on where you are in the nation, of course, you're going to look for something different in a spouse, right? And, and again, we all still do that and that, you know, some things never change. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, like, when you, you know, what do you think of what are, are making the comparison between, say, the ads you just mentioned, different parts of the country, but then also comparing them to the ads that people put in today? I mean, what are the glaring differences? And I keep hearing a lot of these sound very practical, depending on what that person said. <laughs> you know, if you have a glass eye, you want somebody with a glass eye, or if you need somebody right. to tend the pigs on the farm, you want that. <laughs> I don't know that right. you get the same kind of ads today, do we? Well, so some things have changed and some things have very much changed the same. So, you know, an ad in an 18th century newspaper is obviously a very dif- different entity in some ways to a profile on a, on a dating app in 2020. So personal ads were generally just for the quite well-off, middle class, white, mostly male. You know, in contrast, what's great is that dating apps are much more democratic. They're usually free to use. They're available to anyone who's online. They're accessible regardless of your gender or your race or sexuality or religion or class. So it's more inclusive and more convenient. Um, But at the same time, so much has stayed the same as is commonplace, you know, when human nature is involved, right? So, um, you know, people do fall back on many of the same broad criteria when when they're looking for a long-term partner. Um, partly I mean, so just to interrupt you, I know somebody who was on it. This is a, a, a person who yeah. was recently, um, she's, a, she's a widow, and it right. happens to be very tall. She's about six feet tall. So she's on a wow. on a dating app that's for pe- for women who are six feet tall, at least a tall right. women app or whatever it is, which reminds me of the glass eye gentleman. But well, I was so going to say that's exactly it. it. It reminds me of the glass eye ad as well. It's the idea that there's somebody out there for everyone. You just have to know where to look. Um, exactly. I mean, you might say it also makes us choosier because you know, we are able to access all these different people. Again, in the 18th century, it was hard to be choosy because there there just weren't that many people around, right? You kind of had to marry the boy next door or, you know, um, somebody you work with because you didn't have that that choice necessarily. Whereas now, if you're a woman who's six foot tall or you're a man with a glass eye or whatever it is, dating actually help you to, to, to to find, you know, a 
as somebody just like you, if that's what you want. So um, some things change, some things very much change the same. I mean, I tell you what, what does stay the same is the reason that people are advertising for love. And that's what I, I've always found very sort of sweet and moving is when people describe why they're advertising for love, whether it's in the 1840s or the 1940s or 2020. They'll, they'll talk about, you know, they're a stranger in the city, they just moved to the big city, or they work long hours, or they're shy around women. You know, these reasons never change. And, of course, are totally, you know, sensible and respectable and understandable. Um, they never change. I just love the way they phrased it, you know, back in the day of I'm a stranger in the city or I'm, I'm nervous around women or, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of very moving to me. Also, you talk about during the Civil War that the personal ads became very popular. So why during the Civil War and how did that come about? So um, personal ads sort of suddenly became quite respectable in the, during the Civil War for almost the first time. It was seen um, as, as patriotic for young women to answer personal ads to relieve the, the tedium of camp life for these soldiers who were away fighting. And so as a result, personal ads really, really took off. Um, lots of soldiers placed them in, in newspapers from, you know, the New York Herald um, all the way, you know, to Virginia, all over um, and they'll say, you know, oh, well, here's one example. Uh, an officer who is suffering from a wound and recently released from Richmond is desirous of forming a correspondence with some lady for the purpose of cheering his drooping spirit. <laughs> so he's really appealing to the, the female reader's sense of patriotic responsibility. You know, the average age of Union soldiers at enlistment was 25 and a half. So they were exactly of courtship age. Um, there's a wonderful one in the Sunday Mercury in 1862 um, aimed at patriotic unmarried ladies. It was from a soldier just returned from the wars, have lost a leg but expect to get a cork one, have a useless arm but will be called brave for it, was once good looking but am now scarred all over. You know, so, so moving and sad. And of course, the mystery there, Catherine, is did he meet someone? Did he fall in love? It's like a little detective story, isn't it, trying to work out what happened next? Yeah, I mean, it is a detective story. I would like to know whether who got married, who didn't, and how it all played, yeah, and, and sort of follow right. that. And, there, I, you know, there is, I have some wonderful stories in the book of couples whom it did work out for. So, for example, in 1892, a Swedish dressmaker named Augusta Larsson spotted a personal ad in a Chicago newspaper from a Norwegian farmer named Ole Rude. And after just a few weeks of writing to each other, she got, off, she got on a train, um, went to a, a town in Washington State to meet up with him, and they married and they had eight children and they dedicated their lives to, to farming the land in Washington State. They were really, you know, pioneers there. So that kind of story, that true story that I uncovered is typical of the vital role played by personal ads in helping to address the, the severe shortage of eligible single women in, in places like Washington State in the 1890s. And, and therefore, they're making a, a very important contribution to the settling of of the West, because without these personal ads, you know, it was hard to, to, to um, fix the gender imbalance, therefore hard to, you know, have marriage and families and, and, and settle the American West. So they really played a, a, a crucial role in many ways. So, Francesca, the, that's the upside of all the personal ads, right? That's the happy ending, but then there could right. be some very 
unhappy endings. And you do talk about the deception, the fraud, and even far worse than that, that happened as a result of some of these personal ads. Right. I'm afraid there were very, some very unhappy endings. And, and the most famous example is America's worst ever female serial killer, whose name was Belle Gunnis. And in, eight, in 1908, she was discovered to have murdered over 40 men at her farmhouse in Indiana, men she'd lured there using personal ads that she placed in newspapers all over the Midwest. She, she, her ads would say, comely widow, desires to make the acquaintance of. Um, and so men from all over the Midwest, you know, looking for an opportunity, looking to settle down. Um, also, you know, pragmatically uh, looking to live in, in Gunnis' farmhouse and, and work the land and then were never seen again. So there, of course, has always been a, a dark side to, to um, personal ads. You know, anything where it's anonymous and um, there, there will always be an element of danger there. But certainly, you know, what's clear from my book is that basically all forms of advertising for love are a good thing. They bring people together. Um, they create connection, and the, and the, the, the sad and, and, and horrifying stories are, are very rare compared to the many, many stories of, of couples building a wonderful life together, helping to settle the nation in every state, really. Um, and there's lots of those sort of romantic stories in the book. You know, people didn't talk about it until very recently, but in fact, you'd be amazed at the number of people's grandparents or great-grandparents who secretly did marry uh, meet and marry because of a, a personal ad. They just maybe didn't always admit it to their families. Now, what about your personal story? I wonder if that is connected to any of this or your interest in, in the topic. Oh, I match- wish, Catherine. Yeah. I wish I could say I met my husband through a personal ad or a dating app. It would be such a great story, but I'm afraid I didn't. <laughs> Can, do we know how you met him, or was it just a mundane, uh, you know, date? Oh, I guess oh, it's not mundane. No, it is but, kind know. of a fun story. So before yeah. I wrote books, I was a TV host, and he is a, a TV director. So we worked on a on a TV show together. But it was my first job in a studio, and I so I'd kind of talking to my microphone to my co-host about how I kind of liked the director and this and that, but not knowing I was like 22 at the time, not knowing that whatever the host says into the microphone, even if you're whispering, it's broadcast to the entire TV studio. But, you know, at least there was no pretending. Um, So, yeah, we worked on a a TV show together, uh, and that's how we met, like many people, of course, who do meet um, their partners at work. So a 2019 study by Stanford University found that 11% of Americans meet their partners their future spouse at work compared to 39% who meet through a dating website or app these days. Isn't that an amazing statistic? Yeah, that is an amazing statistic. And uh, this brings me to the next uh, next question is, as I understand it, you can write potential dating app bios and personal ads for all of us, whether politicians, (laughs) celebrities, I don't know, just the average person. Do you do that? Well, I tell you what, my favorite thing is to do it for, you know, to, to, for celebrities. I always think that's, you know, such fun to, to write an 18th century style personal ad for, um, for, celeb- for a celebrity. So, um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of those. I was going to say, ones. give us an example. Um, uh, right. So, um, you have to try and guess who, uh, who this is for. Just give me a minute. Um, okay. Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember them off, off the top of my head. So I wrote a great one for Brad Pitt, which is like, 
um, uh, man of uh, just over 50 and 5, uh, um, not ugly, <laughs> which, by the way, is, was used often in ads, does not drink but does smoke, some previous experience of marriage, uh, seeks partner, address the editor, Los Angeles, California. Um, so I like, to, um, I like to write them for, you know, celebrities. Or there's a fun one I wrote for Ariana Grande that was like, uh, woman of 20 and 7 and therefore in a hurry to get married with um, abundance of hair and clear skin, musically inclined, uh, seeks, um, uh, seeks gentlemen for fun and possibly matrimony. Um, uh, please write to the editor, New York, da 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 So it's just, it's fun to write them for my friends or my family or celebrities or whoever it might be. If I knew you better, Catherine, I'd try and write for you, one for you on the spot, but you'll have yes. to do that yourself. <laughs> next time you can write one for me. Although, there uh, you go, I, I, next time. <laughs> Although I'm yeah. one of those people I mean, what was, what was fun actually and, and very surprising to me when researching the book was how many personal ads there were from women very early on. You know, many people think that, that women didn't place these ads, but they really did um, from um, the 18, sort of 1810s onwards, and then they really were a lot of them by the 1840s. Lots of husband-wanted ads, far more than you'd think. And again, so interesting about what women looked for in a husband um, at the time. They'll, they'll often um, stipulate that they want someone who's perfectly sober, that was very, very common because, of course, many people, you know, there was excessive drinking was a, was a real problem um, on the East Coast at the time. On average, those over 15 consumed nearly three times as much alcohol as today, you know, obviously wreaking havoc on the lives of, of families. So many women who, who advertise for a husband would stipulate they want someone perfectly sober, um, uh, not beyond middle age, because, you know, maybe they wanted to have children, uh, respectably connected, has been well-educated, you know, industrious, generous. So I guess that means they're prioritizing financial stability. So, again, it's just very interesting in terms of human mate choice what these women who advertised wanted and, and, and why they're feeling brave enough to, to advertise. There's also a shift in the 1840s where, where marriage does become when people are looking for a husband, it does become more about love than money. So the early ones are very much about financial stability. And then, um, as, as is typical, happiness starts for the first time to be upheld as a marital goal in the way it, happiness wasn't really a factor in the 18th century, much more so in the 19th century. It was becoming viewed as, as a wife's right to be happy as well as financially stable. And you see that change in the language used in 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 these ads placed by women um i mean they, some of some of the ones by women the husband wanted ads are very funny and strange one of my fa my favorite ones was in wisconsin in 1855 and it's from a woman who says that what, what she wants as a husband is i want no brainless dandy nor foppish fool but a practical man who can drive a coach or rock the cradle hoe the garden or attend the ballroom on the whole, he must dress neat, look well, and keep his head up in society. So it's a bit different to what you'd read about on a Tinder profile today, right? Right. And, and you know, and I'm thinking as you're reading these from men and women, I mean, the women definitely, even, even in the 1800s, if they were allowed to want happiness, but they still they had this kind of practical 
pitch, whereas yes. men would talk about, well, the color of the hair and not too heavy or exactly. whatever the first one you read said. But uh, yeah, so they still had the, the women were very practical and the men still kind of went in for some of the the looks and the attractiveness, right? right? It seems to me anyway, right. as you're describing this. Well, and, and again, it's a reflection of the very limited options that were, were generally available to women at the time. You know, that, 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 yeah, there were limited options. So um, they would advertise for, yeah, they were very practical and, and rarely, um, rarely wrote in a more romantic way until the beginning of the 20th century, where you do see more romantic ads emerge um, or ads interestingly that are maybe not looking for marriage but just a relationship I mean you get those earlier than you would think and they emerge in the 1860s in the midwestern cities like in St. Louis or Cincinnati where for the first time you get people women um, saying oh you know looking to looking to to meet a man for for fun and games you know and and again I was quite surprised by how early you get ads like those, which can, of course, be interpreted in a number of ways. But, um, but still, yeah. it's kind of amazing to see them starkly there in the newspaper, um, really telling the story of a, of a city in some ways in a, in a hundred words of blurry black type set of ink. Uh, that is amazing. Now, I wouldn't expect that women in the 1860s right. or the 19th century as saying, I want somebody for fun and games. 20th century, I yes, know. and, and, and uh, right. onward. So, uh, it right. really but people does are always say, more complicated than you think, right? So, you know, history is more complicated than you think. And so while there is, you know, one historical narrative about what life was like, then there will always be the outliers, the people who are living their life a little little bit differently. And that was what's fun is and reflected in each of these individuals ads you know that is somebody somebody's life right there summed up in a few hundred words and that's sort of like its own tiny detective story asking the reader to unravel the intimate mysteries within and that's what was so fun whilst researching this book for you know the many years that I did each ad is like a little detective story yeah, when you talk about, we only have a couple minutes left, but researching the book, uh, maybe this is my last question, but so mm. it, it took you a, lo- a long time, as I'm hearing you say, to do this research to really, it, a couple It did, yeah. it was really five years trawling through newspapers, every, you know, as many newspapers I could trawl through, but as a historian, that's my, my, my great love, is to, is to sit in a library for hours and hours, trawling and trawling through old newspapers, and it's a lot of work, but when you stumble across an ad, a personal ad in New York City in 1788 that no one knows exists, or a personal ad in Boston in 1759 that, again, doesn't feature in any book or on any website. You're, you're the first to really bring it to the light of day um, since the time it was first in the newspaper. That makes it all worth it. And that, there's, there's so much of that in the book, so much brand new historical material in the book that, that the research was, was really the, the very fun part. I, I loved it, trawling and trawling. Oh, I mean, it's an exciting book. And it's, I mean, it's, it's exciting to read. It's fun, as you say. And it's also, you're kind of like an archaeologist, it sounds like, when he finds the bones right. of the original humans kind of thing. But... Um, Matrimony, Inc., that's the title of the book, From Personal Ads to Swiping Right, A Story of America Looking for Love, Francesca Bowman. Francesca, give us some websites to go to uh, in terms of uh, more information about the book, about you, and 
about any oh, upcoming well, um, events? I have a website, yeah. um, www.francescabowman.com. Bowman is B-E-A-U-M-A-N.com. I also have a really fun Instagram account called Franz Bookshop um, based at the bookstore where I, I work, which is called Persephone Books. Some of your listeners may know it. It's in London, but we sell books all over the world, and it's really one of the world's most beautiful bookstores. Um, and there I talk about books. I talk about publishing. Um, I, I've asked famous people what they're reading at the moment, which is always interesting um so my instagram account friends bookshop there's a lot of fun to be had there too i'm currently running running a competition where you have to dress up like your favorite book i've done it for the cover of my new book and and hey it's been fun finding lots of clothes in yellow and bright pink just like the cover of matrimony inc great thanks so much for being on the show great interview and lots of fun i must say such fun thanks for having me thank you I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 